Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 969, don't say it, of Locked on Raptors for Friday, June the 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And also make sure you're subscribing to, rating, reviewing, following, whatever it is that you do on the podcast app of choice that you use. Please uh, do that thing to support the podcast and help our algorithms and our rankings and all that stuff. So thank you in advance. For doing that and telling a friend as well is always a good way to inform people about the podcast. Uh, on today's show, we are continuing on with the conversation I had yesterday with Raphael Barlow of Locked On NBA Draft and NBA Draft Junkies. We spoke yesterday about the top of the lottery prospects, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley in particular. Today, we talk a little bit about Jalen Suggs before digging into the 7-8 range of the draft and picking some of our faves there. We talk about Moses Moody and why I'm kind of confused as to why he's not like an obvious high draft pick considering everyone thinks he's going to be good for sure. Uh, We've also got Kai Jones in there, uh, Keon Johnson, a personal fave of mine. We talk about all of them. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with Raphael. He's so, so smart and so, so good at his job. And you should definitely listen to him over on Locked on NBA Draft as he breaks it all down ahead of the draft as well. Uh, Before we get into that, I just wanted to take a second to maybe just kind of sift through some of the uh, mountain of NBA news over the last couple days to see if there are any sort of Raptors connections, Raptors complications, things that could uh, affect the Raptors and their offseason, you know, based on what's gone on here. So yeah, there's a few things. I think Number one, this morning, Kemba Walker was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Al Horford going back the other way to Boston, reuniting there. A weird, weird trade. Kind of speaks to Boston's ineptitude when it comes to free agent signings. Uh, you know, they've failed with Gordon Hayward, and they failed trading for Kyrie Irving. They failed in luring Anthony Davis, and they also failed in making it work with Kemba Walker. The only free agent signing from the last 10 years that seems to have worked for them was Al Horford, so I guess they reunite with him. Now that he's like 35 years old and has a year or two left on his contract, it's, uh, you know, (laughs) a very strange sort of shuffling of deck chairs move. But there is something that does come to mind with the Celtics now, and I don't want to put this even into the air because it's cursed, but they now are going to be a team that has a potential uh, point guard hole. Kemba Walker was their point guard without Kemba Walker. That team kind of looks like a less talented sort of JV version of the LA Clippers, where they have the two excellent wings, and then, you know, where's the rest of the playmaking come from, coming from? In fairness, you know, Jason Tatum, I think, is probably on track to be as good or better a playmaker than Kawhi is. Uh, obviously not the same sort of uh, murderous, rip-your-throat-out type of score, but he's still very, very good. We love we, we love watching Jason Tatum, even if it's a disappointing team that he's playing for. And Jalen Brown's quite good as well. He's sort of the, the Paul George corollary there. And you'd think like you'd want some extra creation on that team. Maybe they just give it to Marcus Smart. Seems a little bit dubious considering his lack of shooting and all that. 
And so they do kind of stick out as a very easy, good fit with Kyle Lowry if they're trying to get back into title contention next year. Again, I don't want to speak that into the existence at all because Kyle Lowry on the Celtics is a very depressing thought, and uh, I would hope that doesn't happen. But if you're talking about teams to potentially drive up the price maybe when it comes to a sign-and-trade negotiation arms race between the Lakers, the Sixers, the Clippers, the the, the the Celtics. I mean, a lot of these teams can't even make it work financially to do a sign-and-trade, but, um, you know, if there is going to be some sort of bid to get Kyle Lowry through, you know, on a team that doesn't have cap space, obviously the Heat kind of linger there as a team with cap space that could go throw money at him, I guess the Knicks too, but if there are more teams potentially intrigued by a Kyle Lowry sign and trade that does probably affect the the return the Raptors can get I would still sort of advise that if you're thinking about a sign and trade for the Raptors it's going to be a modest return it's not going to be something huge in a sign and trade with Kyle Lowry there's just not a lot of leverage there he clearly wants to go to some other team in this instance that we're talking about and it's just hard to get good value back but maybe that is driven up a little bit if there are three four five teams that potentially want Kyle in a sign and trade so The Celtics add themselves to that conversation. That is interesting, at least. The other thing from the last couple days that I guess sort of piques the interest is the Dallas situation. You know, we've kind of seen all of the good, you know, high-profile front office jobs kind of dry up recently, and that has, I think, you know, fueled some optimism that Masai Ujiri is going to be back. The Knicks seem to have figured out things with Leon Rose. Um, you know, the Wizards kind of have given Tommy Shepard a vote of confidence, even though they just stepped away from Scott Brooks, and the Wizards are kind of, you know, a day away from collapsing at, at all times. But, you know, there hasn't really been a sexy job out there to potentially lure Masai Ujiri away if you're concerned about that. And... I don't know if I would classify the Dallas Mavericks as a sexy job. The Dallas Mavericks are kind of a disaster organization run by a lunatic owner in Mark Cuban who has full like autonomy in that franchise. Listening to the low post yesterday with Tim McMahon talking about, you know, the 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 dynamics there. Mark Cuban is sort of judge jury executioner and it just is basically who in the front office has Mark Cuban's ear. I really can't imagine that being a place Masai would want to go work. You know, there's been this sort of talk that this could be a potential one because Luka Doncic is there. It's a big market, all, all, all that stuff. But it just doesn't really line up to me. You know, with the Knicks, for example, that one, yes, the, the idea of him working with James Dolan was always kind of laughable and hilarious. But James Dolan, while he is a lunatic in his own right and is probably meddling far too much in the business of his teams... He doesn't actually have like final say on player personnel moves, it seems. Like that seems to fall to Leon Rose in most cases. Uh, it seems more of the sort of front office shuffling and coach shuffling that maybe is more of a Dolan thing. Again, I'm not in the room. I don't know exactly what James Dolan's offering in the draft you know, war room or anything like that. But he doesn't seem to have quite as much influence on player personnel decisions as Mark Cuban does. And hey, maybe Mark Cuban can grow. Maybe he'd bring in Masai Ujiri and say, hey, you've won a championship before. You're really smart. You make all the decisions. However, he just had a GM in Donnie Nelson who won a title and drafted Dirk Nowitzki and found Luka Doncic and scouted him since he was 14 years old. And he still did not let Donnie Nelson decide all of the decisions in the front office there for the Mavericks. And so I just can't really envision a world in which Masai goes to work for Mark Cuban and like take his advice on things. 
like the first sort of confrontation seems like Masai would slap uh, the the shit out of Mark Cuban for suggesting he knows more about basketball than him. And the same also goes for Haralibus Vagaris, who is, of course, the man seemingly at the center of all of the discord in Dallas right now from that report earlier this week from Tim Cato and Sam Amick and The Athletic. You know, a, a guy like that, a person with no person-to-person skills, who's arrogant, who very clearly rubs people the wrong way, can't really see that being a guy Masai wants to be around either. And I don't know if Masai would have the ability to, like, get rid of a guy like that because Mark Cuban seems to really be on the side of the crypto boy in Bob Volgaris. So it just, that one does not totally line up to me. And I think it's still totally on the right side to be optimistic that Masai is going to be back. The way he spoke at his press conference, the way, you know, yes, he's been in Africa and there's been kind of radio silence on the situation right now, but it doesn't sound like he's too concerned about you know the timeline here obviously you want to get it done as soon as possible and every day that goes forward it's still a little bit of like a "Uh oh is this still going to happen type of thing but I know the draft lottery is coming up the draft itself is coming up his contract will go through the end of the draft I believe you know kind of extended because of the year calendar and all that stuff beyond July 1 you know I'm not too too worried about the Messiah situation there's still a lot of time to figure this stuff out and maybe the draft lottery is going to inform his decision a little bit you know if they move up maybe it's a no-brainer hell yeah I'm sticking around for the Cade era or whatever it might be um you know, that, that's certainly a possibility as well. So, yeah, I, the Mavs, you know, anytime a big job comes open, the fear sort of mongers come out and so sort of look at it as a potential Maasai poaching destination. The Mavs don't really seem like the kind of franchise that really speaks to Maasai's sensibilities. And also, I would say it's probably not the same sort of market as Toronto, where Maasai can have the reach sort of beyond basketball that he currently has. You know, it seems like Toronto is one of the top markets to be, you know, having this sort of outside influence that Maasai has. Dallas, a little bit more sequestered, a little bit more Texan. It just doesn't feel like it's quite the same sort of uh, reaching off point that Toronto is for all the stuff that Maasai is doing in Africa and so on and so forth. So um, I'm here to quell any fears of the Dallas Mavericks poaching Masai Ujiri. I could be totally wrong, of course. I'm not in Masai's head. I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves and reading into what we perceive to know about Masai Ujiri. I could be 100% wrong, and if so, you can come back and throw this podcast segment in my stupid dumb face. Uh, That's going to do it for the opening segment here. We're going to get into the chat with Raphael Barlow of Locked On NBA Draft and NBA Draft Junkies here in just one second, talking about Jalen Suggs off the top before moving down the draft board to the 7-8 range. Uh, So that should be a lot of fun. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are a wonderful place for you to go to get car parts. There are so many mechanics out there who just really don't care if you're paying full freight for the parts that you need. Sometimes you're paying 30, 50, 100% more than you should be when you go to the mechanic versus what you can get at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com instead is the point. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. It's so easy, and they have everything you'll need from the aesthetic things to the important transmission and engine-related things as well. And their catalog is so easy to navigate. I have very little knowledge of cars, but I can type in the part that I know I need, 
on the rockauto.com catalog. It'll bring up the year, make, model of my car, and I can sort through multiple options, not just one option. You get three, four, five options sometimes, and they're all from different brands. They have different specifications and, of course, different prices that you can choose from. Best of all, rockauto.com is always reliably low on its prices and same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low price. Prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. All right, let's get to part two of my chat with Raphael Barlow of Locked on NBA Draft. I'll check in with a quick ad break uh, a little bit later on. And also just a heads up before we get to that, that our NBA finals coverage, our road to the finals, that is, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at, at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the playoffs a little bit more this season. And we have lots of great shows covering all of the teams currently trudging their way through this meat grinder of a playoffs. I uh, highly recommend you go check them out. Locked on Bucks, Locked on Nets for example, as that series is headed for a game seven. Uh, all right, now it's time. Myself, Raphael, talking Jalen Suggs and more. Uh, here we go. Um, I have not really done a lot of thinking or, or sort of hypothesizing Jalen Suggs on the Raptors. I don't know what it is. He just kind of seems like the least sexy of all of these prospects in terms of just like overall upside. I mean, Kaminga's this enormous wing, and that kind of is an appealing thing, especially in these parts, considering an enormous wing just won the Raptors a title two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but Suggs is obviously a very good player is going to be high in this draft what's your sort of read on him as an overall prospect obviously I think the fit would be kind of similar with the Raptors so you don't need to necessarily remark upon the fit but you know where's your sort of gauge on Suggs and are you as in on him as one of this sort of top five group as it seems like the consensus is yeah I definitely have him as a top five pick but I think there is a chance that he could possibly fall out of the top five depending on Mm -hmm the way the, the lottery shakes out. I mean, does Orlando sure. want to add another another guard? They just traded for R.J. Hampton. They got Cole Anthony. You got Markel Fultz. So I, I don't think that's a, a fit there. Cleveland has Sexton and and uh, oh, okay. Darius Garland. He would add some size mm-hmm. in that backcourt. But are they going to select a, a point guard, in a sense, again for the third time in four years? Minnesota doesn't necessarily need a guard if they end up keeping their pick. So he could be the one that I could see falling out, which would bump Scotty Barnes up. And Mm -hmm. in Toronto, I think it could be a good fit there. I mean, Nurse doesn't have a problem playing two, quote-unquote, point guards together in the same lineup. Mm -hmm. So I think it it can work there. And then um, I think he can defend both guard spots. So I think Mm -hmm. that would be be helpful. And um, if – you know, I guess so much of it depends on what happens with Kyle and if they think Malachi Flynn, who I thought was one of the biggest steals of the draft. Um, and, and it just depends on where they see him because, again, sure. it's Toronto, they've made something out of nothing. I mean, so you never know. Malachi <laughs> Flynn could literally end up being the next Kyle Lowry in a sense. So it, it, you, you never know with Toronto. I mean, like Terrence Davis is a guy that, didn't get drafted and before he got into that trouble or whatever he was one of the best rookies in his class mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's um 
the, the thing I like about Suggs as a point guard is, you know, no, there's nothing I've there's nothing against Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry or Malachi Flynn, but the idea of a point guard over six foot one is uh, is kind of appealing after all of the years of watching the Raptors survive with short kings, and so that's a, a pretty interesting thing. Um, but Kyle yeah, it, I also think six eight yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> Oh, six eight Kyle Lowry is the best <laughs> basketball player of all time. Uh, I'm convinced of this, so uh, I'm uh, I'm glad you're you're on the propaganda train with me there. Um, and yeah, Suggs would be I think a pretty interesting fit. And you know, I think a thing Raptors fans probably got to prepare themselves for is I think the lottery is going to dictate what happens with Lowry quite a bit. And you know, if they do end up in the top reaches and are able to grab someone who can slot into the backcourt long term. That might just sort of signal that, you know, as much as Kyle has done everything for the team, maybe those paths are going to be divergent going into next season. And and so I'd be prepared for that. Like we might get a bit of a, an inkling as to what's going to happen on lottery night based on the results. Um, you a, mentioned that Green. Agent, right? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Kyle's a uh, free yeah, agent. Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. So he I is. didn't know if he was, if he had a year left on his deal or he could opt. Is it a situation where he can opt in? Or is he? No, he's a he's a full free agent. Okay. It's just there's not a lot of teams with space to sign him outright. So there's probably like a sign and trade that would be probably on the table unless the Heat sign him into space. But maybe that's who knows what's going to happen there with the Heat after flaming out in round one. It's all kind of up in the air. Like I'm, I have literally no idea what's going to happen with Lowry. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the lottery will be the first thing that kind of gives me an inkling as to what way the Raptors might go. Um, you mentioned Green might be if there is a guy to fall out of that top five it might be green. Let's talk about if the Raptors are not in the top five, they're the top four. If they don't move up, you know, seven and eight is the most likely spot here for the Raptors. Um, let's just assume, you know, there's the top five and you mentioned Scotty Barnes has kind of separated himself a little bit to maybe be the sixth guy. You get the rest of the guys to choose from. You mentioned it's kind of interchangeable, taking into account the fit, the positional needs, all of that. If you're at seven and you're the Raptors and the first six picks have gone chalk, Right now, a month and a bit before the draft, who is the guy that you're like, yeah, that's the dude for the Raptors, and that's the fit I most want to see take place? Man, it's funny, because even though I was prepared for this question, I still don't know the answer. (laughs) Because I really, again, I keep stressing, I feel like it's an easy fit for the majority of the guys that are in this this draft in that 7, 8, 9 range. I know I I think one, one of my mocks, I had them selecting... Jalen Johnson, who I feel like best case scenario could be this. I mean, this is probably not the best name to compare somebody to right now, but a poor man's Ben Simmons with a little bit more assertiveness, I should say. Um, He's (laughs) 6'9", 220. I think that he would be at his best as like a guy that kind of like a poor man's Simmons and Giannis, someone that can really – you know, create problems in transition because he can rebound. He can push the break for himself. He has some ability to make plays for others. Um, I think that's his best case scenario. Worst case, I see a little bit of James Johnson, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you may not want to hear James Johnson as a seventh pick, but I feel like he's somewhere (laughs) in the middle between better than James Johnson and, you know, under Ben Simmons and Giannis, but that type of weapon that can play sure. both uh, forward positions. So I think that's a good fit. Keon Johnson is someone that I've, I've had them taking on that's one of my mocks. And I think he's the, he is the prototypical guy who I would like to see Toronto draft because you see like the talent, but he's still raw. Mm-hmm. You see the potential. Yep. 
And you can say, oh, you know, right now he's a great athlete. But other than that, what does he do well? He kind Mm -hmm. of reminds me a little bit of Jalen Brown. And the reason I say that is because when I saw Jalen Brown coming out of Cal, I saw a guy that had the positional size, but I didn't know what he did well. I didn't feel like he was a good shooter. I didn't think that he was a great slasher. I didn't think he was a great defender. Usually, you you know, in this draft, you usually have, all right, this is the skill set that this guy can hang his hat on. I did not see that with Jalen Green. I saw he was good at a little bit of everything, but not, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) not one thing that I I thought that he was close to being great. I just saw the potential. Well, look how he's developed. I mean, he's developed as a shot creator. He's developed as a shooter. I want to say he's around like 38, 39% from three. He's an all-star. I see Mm -hmm. a little bit of that with Keon Johnson. I think he's shown flashes of being able to make pull-ups. He's shown some flashes of being a decent passer. He already plays hard, and that's one thing I really like about him. He plays hard. You can make a case and say he's the most athletic guy in this draft. Mm -hmm. And even though I think right now James Booknight is probably the better prospect right now, um, I think that uh, obviously like Jalen Green is the better prospect now. Mm -hmm. But it seems like Johnson – could be the better player four or five years from now, or even after the rookie contract is up. So his talent and upside really intrigues me. Yeah, he's the guy who I picked in our first uh, Locked On mock draft uh, at number eight, and I would have taken him again when I got number eight again this week when we did the exercise for a third time after getting Mobley last week, uh, but I didn't want to be repetitive, so I took Kai Jones instead. That's a nice little cliffhanger. We're going to get into Kai Jones of Texas in just one second, along with a couple other guys from that bottom part of the lottery that I am particularly intrigued by, and Raphael is also intrigued by, too. We're going to get to those in one second, but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best-tasting protein bars money can buy. I love Built Bars. I had one yesterday from a bike ride, the Grasshopper Mint flavor. It's like a mint treasure cookie. It's amazing. Uh, it's one of their limited-time flavors that joins their usual staple of nine stable, that's what I meant, of nine delicious flavors that you can try. Coconut, coconut almond, Cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. Plus, again, you get those special limited time flavors once in a while as well, including coconut brownie chunk once in a while. They're really, really good. If you don't know your flavor flavor yet, then you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors, and you can decide from there which one you want to buy a full box of. And not only are Built Bars the best-tasting protein bars, but they're also also healthy for you too. 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs in most of the flavors. And I really can't recommend enough. Mint brownie is my favorite. Get mint brownie. There's, there's this, You can't go wrong with mint brownie. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your first order. That's the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's round out the conversation now with Raphael Barlow. Well, we'll dig into Kai Jones, Moses Moody, a couple other guys in that range, 7-8 in the draft that the Raptors could potentially try for. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, we will talk to you again on Monday, as uh, this will be the last you hear from me in the present day. You listened to me in the past with Raphael. Now, enjoy. Um, let me ask you about Kai Jones. Uh, <laughs> you know, he is... Seemingly a pretty divisive prospect. He's was, someone who was, seems to be very raw. That was exactly what I was going to use. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Where are you at with Kai Jones then? So this is a shameless plug, but on my podcast today with Chad Ford, 
that was the topic of of the the podcast about divisive prospects, guys that some people are really high on, and there's just a huge gap between how whether it's draft Twitter, NBA scouts, or just people in general feel about them. And Kai Jones is a guy who I've been on record of saying if he's an all star in five years, I wouldn't be shocked. If he's playing mm-hmm. for Olympiacos in five years, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> I've seen some people actually compare him to Siakam. Um, some mm-hmm. people feel like he's best served as a, a stretch five. I've seen some people. I mean, it's there's so many different opinions on him. And the one thing I'll say about him is he is really talented. Like you don't see guys mm-hmm. at his size that move the way he moves. He shot 38% from three, even though it was on a low volume of attempts. You know, it makes me wonder why wasn't he more productive at Texas? Was it because, you know, Greg Brown was so highly recruited that they were pretty much giving minutes to Greg Brown, even though I feel like Kai Jones was the better player? Mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions. I mean, it seems like the the IQ isn't there. He still seems a little raw, even though he's played two years of college basketball. And what was really interesting is that he's really athletic. I know he's he's kind of thin and his numbers as a role man were pretty bad. Like you would think mm-hmm. that he would be like an elite role man because, you know, he's a, a high riser. That could possibly be due to spacing. You know, if there were times where he was on a court with Greg Brown and um, I can't think of the other big's name from Texas. So the lineups weren't the best as far as spacing. Mm-hmm. So that could have been an issue there, or does he not like to roll? I mean, it's a lot of questions, but the talent is definitely there. I think from a talent perspective, just pure talent, not counting production, he, he's a top seven, eight talent in this draft. But it's tough to figure out like what his position is, um, what is his exact role in, in the NBA. So he's another guy that I think if I'm – Toronto and he's available I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at them taking a flyer on him because again probably for the fifth time if they were able to take Siakam <laughs> and make him an all-star mm-hmm. and I mean even Siakam as a passer I think he averaged about four and a half five assists this year which yeah. is something he could not do two years ago yeah so yeah yeah was, that's why Jones really kind of sticks out to me and why I stuck him at the, that eighth spot in that latest mock draft is just because it feels like there's a lot of these sort of disparate tools that he has that haven't quite congealed into a complete player. And, you know, the Raptors feel like a franchise that are very much good at finding those disparate tools and finding ways to connect them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would almost guarantee he'd spend a big chunk of his rookie season with the G League team. You know, that that feels like a real Raptors 905 project to yep. me. But um yeah, that's an interesting one. And we got a couple important. other questions that came in. Sorry, go ahead. And the reason I feel like that's important is because I believe the Raptors are one of the franchises that would not be afraid to send a top 10 pick down to the G League. Sure. Some yeah. franchises, I mean, you look at Cam Reddish, for example. I felt like he was not close to ready being an NBA player. And mm-hmm. they were just, you know, making him a starter, <laughs> you know, throwing him out there. And he wasn't productive. I mean, he had some really, really bad shooting splits the majority of his his uh, rookie year. While Atlanta wasn't going to send him down to the G League. While Toronto, mm-hmm. even though they're probably in this weird predicament of are they in a win-now mode? Are they in a rebuilding mode? 
but I don't think Masai would have any issues saying, hey, spend the season here. We have a long-term plan for you. We're not trying to kill your confidence. We want you to develop, and we have a track record of guys. I mean, Siakam played mm-hmm. for. <laughs> yeah. And what, didn't he win a championship, like, two years apart? Yeah, he was year finals apart? MVP, yeah. Finals yeah. MVP of the, uh, of the of the G League final, yeah. Yep. So I, I think that, you know, they're one of the free, few teams I feel like would send the top seven, eight, nine pick to the G League and mm-hmm. be able to show him, like, you know, this is our track record of developing guys. So it's not a knock on you. We just want you to develop and work on this while you're there. So. Yeah. Go ask Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and their their bank tellers uh, <laughs> how oh, well yeah. the 905 worked for them. Like um, 200 million, right? Combined? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, the only reason I think they wouldn't take Kai Jones and sort of a more developmental guy like that is because the rest of their core is already kind of locked in and on a bit of a timeline, right? Like the, the Siakam only has two years before he has an opt-out. Same with Fred and OG's got three years before an opt-out after this, uh, after his extension kicks in next season too. So maybe they're looking for someone who's a bit more of a plug and play and they can kind of, you know, see what they have in that group, knowing what that lottery pick can do, as opposed to it being a couple years down the line type of thing with Jones. Um, I got one more for you. We we got a bunch of questions and sort of suggested questions, and we've kind of hit on all the topics from everyone who sent questions in anyway, so I appreciate everyone sending them in, but I do have one more for you. A guy who was asked about a lot is Moses Moody, and it feels like Moses Moody is going to be the guy that we kind of overthink the most this season in a way. Like, and let me explain myself. Oftentimes, you'll get like prospects where it's like, oh, this guy's going to definitely be good at basketball. He's going to be a very good NBA player for a long time. There's no doubt about it, and yet they'll like slide. We saw this with Mikal Bridges. We saw this with OG Ananobi. It happened to be two guys who I've seen kind of get thrown out in comparison to Moses Moody, where it's like, yeah, this guy's going to be a 3 and D wing. Whether he, you know, develops the on-ball game to sort of become more than that, who knows? But at the very least, he's going to be a really good player for a very long time. If the Raptors are at eight, you know, is there a case to just say, uh, take the guy who's guaranteed to be a solid player and just take Moses Moody if they're a seven or eight? Yeah, I think Moses is not going to be a sexy pick. You know, he mm-hmm. projects to be a, a 3 and D wing. Even I saw somebody compare him to Chris Middleton, which sure. that would be a really good comparison. Um, yeah, it, it just seems like he doesn't have the, at least in my opinion, the sexy high upside as sure. the guy who I would like Toronto to take, you know? <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that he would be, you know, a, a plug and play guy. I think he'd be able to come in and, and contribute right away. But some of the guys like Kai Jones, like, I mean, I think it's boom or bust with him. I think he could be an all-star. I think Keon Johnson mm-hmm. could be Zach Levine or, you know, I don't know if Moody could end up being that sexy guy that could, uh, you know, generate the same buzz as a person sure. for a person like myself who really believes in their developmental program. Right. Well, that's well put. And uh, I think that is probably a good place to leave this one. We've hit on a lot of guys who fascinate me uh, where we still have so much time between now and the draft that I want to leave some of the guys that we've not yet talked about for later episodes. But Raphael, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, this was fantastic. I feel smarter about the draft. Uh, thanks to you. So thank you very much for uh, sitting with me and taking my, my dumb guy questions about all these prospects. Uh, where can people find all your wonderful, wonderful work? 
Yeah, you can find me at NBADraftJunkies.com. I know I need to update the site. I spend a lot of time on YouTube. My goal is, I think I start off at 100 videos between now and the draft. So I'm about 95. I was just at this uh, Myrtle Beach Combine the last four days. So I kind of got behind. But I'll, I'll put a lot of video breakdowns on my YouTube channel. I mean, you know, for like the top guys, your Cage, your Suggs, Kamingas, those guys have tons of videos out there. But I think where I can really mm-hmm. separate myself is the, um, you know, like the the lesser known prospects. I'll be able to sure. uh, have different breakdowns on, on those guys because I think Toronto has two picks. Two second pick. rounders in the 40s. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I um, yep. So, you know, whoever they draft. My, my plan is to have videos and breakdowns for, for both of those players. And then on Twitter, it's my last name, B-A-R-L-O-W-E-5-0-0. You can find me there. Or if you just type in my name, R-A-F-A-E-L, Barlow, you'll find me. You'll find my my tweets there. And then I'm also on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast every Monday and Thursday. Awesome, man. Uh, highly recommend. I, I love listening to that podcast. Your episodes in particular are, are can't miss stuff, and I, I uh, look forward to it every week. So thanks for coming on. And yeah, I will absolutely have to have you on in uh, in July sometime to talk about dudes in the 40s, because those second round picks are going to become uh, a big topic of conversation, I'm sure, on this yeah. podcast as the draft draws near. Uh, Raphael, thanks so much. That is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, and thanks for tuning in all week long. If you have not yet listened to our fantasy draft of Raptors playoff games between 2014 and 2020 go back and listen to that from Monday and Tuesday did a news roundup on Wednesday and uh, of course there's uh, the two parts of this podcast you can listen to the first half from Thursday uh, if you are listening to this part and missed miss part one where we talk about Cade Cunningham and stuff so thank you very much so much for uh, tuning in and, and being supporters of the podcast we got draft lottery week next week a reminder go to my pinned tweet for all the information of our draft lottery watch party you can donate 25 bucks or more to one of the Indian residential school survivors society or the islamic relief uh emergency fund and if you send me your receipt you will get access to that zoom watch party we're going to do trivia we got some prizes we're going to do some q a it's going to be a blast and we're going to react to the lottery as it happens so my pin tweet again for all the details there and that's going to do it we'll talk to you again on monday with another episode of locked on raptors Bye bye <laughs>